Hey guys, welcome to episode number three of the Strong Dad Army podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by the New You Fit Inner Circle. The New Fit Inner Circle is a online community where you can get your monthly workouts designed for you for whether you're training at home, like most of us are at the moment, or in the gym when the gyms reopen. You will also get personalized calorie targets to help you achieve what it is you want to achieve, whether that's fat loss, muscle building, whatever your personal goals are. You'll also get meal guides, recipe books, weekly recipes in the private Facebook group, weekly live Q&As with yours truly via the Facebook group as well. And this costs you less than one pound a day. You get all this for less than a quid a day and it's all accessed through my own app, the New Fit Hub app. But being a, a listener of this podcast, you can get your very first month for just $9.99 right now. So if you go to www.newyoufit.co.uk forward slash inner circle, go click to join up. When you get to the checkout, put the code podcast in the checkout and it will automatically be discounted to $9.99 for your first month. So that's newyoufit co.uk forward slash inner circle code podcast all in capitals at checkout to get it discounted to 9.99 anyway this week's episode is with an absolute fucking legend of the strength and conditioning strength and performance whatever you want to call it from this industry is probably one of my if not my biggest mentor he is. He owns his own facility in New Jersey. He is a trainer of multiple NFL players, UFC fighters, and is still, after 10 years, the personal coach of both Triple H and Stephanie McMahon from the WWE. The guy's name is Joe DeFranco. If you don't know who Joe is, make sure you check him out online at at DeFranco's gym, excuse me, at DeFranco's gym on Instagram. That's where you'll find him giving out most of his tips and advice on training, recovery and all that kind of stuff. But I'm going to stop talking shit now and let you listen to me having a chat with this absolute legend and make sure you stick around to listen to Joe's amazing, embarrassing story, which he's confirmed to me he has never told anybody before, especially on any kind of podcasts or any of his online content. So we are completely and truly honoured to get this story from him. So without further ado, is this week's episode with Joe DeFranco. Okay, guys, welcome to the latest episode of the Strong Dad Army podcast. My guest today, to me, needs absolutely no introduction, but there's too much to say about this guy. Um, so I've got to introduce him. Um, he's an absolute legend in the fitness industry. Um, he might not agree with that, but um, he's trained. <laughs> he's trained multiple NFL players, including Super Bowl winners, such as Brian. We have Brian Cushing, Dave Deal, even Chris Hogan. Uh, he's also coached numerous UFC fighters, including Mickey Gall, and he also coached Dan Hardy during his uh, fight camp for the welterweight championship with GSP. And he still to this day coaches WWE superstars Triple H and his wife Stephanie McMahon. He runs his own facility over in New Jersey in the USA. He's a husband and most importantly, he's a father. Please welcome to the show, the one and only Joe DeFranco. Welcome to the show, Joe. Yeah, thank you very much for that intro, brother. That, uh, that was very humbling. It means a lot. Making, making me look good. I got, I got to live <laughs> up to the hype now. Yeah, I was getting nervous in case I got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I know, I mean, I, you know, obviously we, we talk every now and then via Instagram and things like that. And uh, I'm in touch with, many, you know, many coaches in, in sort of my local area in the UK. Of course, CPPS coaches all the, over in, in the, the USA and things like that. And I know a lot of those guys and girls are going to be extremely jealous that I'm talking to you today. <laughs> so... Um, so first off, I'm just going to ask you, um, because of, obviously the timing is perfect, let's get the, the, uh, the negative stuff out of the way. How is uh, everything affecting you over in New Jersey with the, the COVID, the lockdown? How are things for you and your family at the minute? Uh, th you know, everyone in my household is healthy, so I am thankful for that. First and foremost, that, that's number one. Obviously, 
uh, you know, it's, it's not easy, just like it's not easy for anyone. But my business has been affected. Thankfully, uh, I've, I've moved to more online stuff over the course of the last couple of years. Yeah. My CPPS certification with Smitty, as you know, uh, we partnered on that years ago and just started the online course a year ago. So the timing was perfect. That, that right. has helped tremendously. Um, and then we have our DeFranco Insider membership community as well. So thankfully those things, you know, especially now, and I think for the future, obviously the internet and social media has been growing and is a big part of everyone's lives. But now with this, I think it's going to only get bigger because even when things hopefully go back to normal or close to normal, there's still going to be a lot of people that just don't feel comfortable going to a gym and being around other sweaty people, breathing heavy. And Absolutely. so I think the, the online communities like our DeFranco Insider, online certifications, you know, training people remotely, like we spoke briefly before we started doing a Zoom session. I just got done training Stephanie McMahon about 20 minutes ago before mm -hmm. we started this call through FaceTime. Uh, she's in New Hampshire right now. So all those things, uh, I try to look on the, the positive side. So I think this will prepare us for what the fitness industry is going to look like, even when things get back to a little bit more normal. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. I think the, uh, like you said, the, the online aspect of whether it be, you know, coaching or certifications like you, like you say, you and Smitty do, shout out to Smitty as well. Um, they are, luckily for you, I mean, I say luckily, but, um, you know, fortunately for you, because you have had that set up and, and you know, sort of uh, built the foundation of that over a couple of years, you've obviously, it, it couldn't, you know, you, you've got something in place already. So at least you've not probably not had to sort of, the, the buzzword at the minute I keep hearing is pivot your business too much. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's a, uh, that's great. Unfortunately, again, for myself, because I do quite a lot of online coaching, I still do some in-person coaching in the garage here behind me, but um, I do quite a lot of on online stuff as well. So fortunately, you know, the majority of my clients have stuck with me as well and they're still, uh, still killing it. Yeah. If, if you're not, if you're a trainer coach right now and you haven't moved to some online training, mm -hmm. if you want to stay in business, I think you're going to have to. It's yeah. uh I think it's going to be a necessary evil at this point, whether you like it or not. And um, listen, I still, I prefer in person. I think we would all say way more than, than these online sessions, but yeah. it is, it's a real option right now. And for some people, it's the only option if they have a family member who might be susceptible to this or, you know, in the at risk category with an autoimmune disease or something and they 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 want to take their health and fitness seriously but they can't take the risk of going out like somebody's got to be able to help those people and train those people so that you we all have a little extra time on our hands now now's the yeah. time to if you don't like the computer if you know learn learn yeah. how to use it learn how to like it yeah. a little more because you're going to need it yeah definitely totally agree and um, so um, obviously, I, I mean, I've just for the, the guys and girls listening, um, I've followed Joe for well over 10 years now. Um, I actually got uh, introduced to Joe. I'll just give the guy a shout out. Actually, I, I had an operation on my knee and um, through a, an injury at work in, in the fire service. And uh, when I was coming back to, I wanted to make sure I was in a decent position to go back to work and be as you know, healthy and strong as possible. Um, I contacted a guy. Um, Phil Marsden, his name is, runs a facility, a successful facility in, in our local town. And uh, so shout out to Phil over at Wellness Strength Training. He, um, he introduced me to the concepts of yourself, Joe and Smitty. He put me on a program that was, after looking back, was a, um, a very loosely based on, a, a, not Strong Bastard, um, West Side for Skinny Bastards. Yeah. yeah, it was loosely based on that. And you know what? It, it did me really well. I really enjoyed it. And it opened my eyes to a new, new way of training. And um, so like I said, I followed you for quite some time now. Um, so I know, you know, a lot about you as in the stuff that you give away on the internet, obviously not yeah. personal, personal stuff, but you know, there's probably going to be quite a few people listening who, who may never have uh, heard of you and they may never have seen you before online or anything like that. So I was wondering if I can maybe go over some sort of backstory with you, if that's cool. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, 
to start us off, I mean, I was thinking like, I know obviously you played uh, football or American football, as we call it, uh, from a young age. So I don't know, maybe you could start there. Take us through your story from there. Uh, yeah, so my, I got into, I originally started training for football. I wasn't, you know, a lot of kids start with the, the bodybuilding and just wanting to look good and, you know, get girls kind of thing. My thing was I wanted to be the best football player. I wanted to play in the NFL. That was my only goal yeah. as a kid. So when, I mean, I was begging my dad to train me from, uh, from the time I was five, six years old. He said I'd be asking, asking him to take me to the gym. And he, he held off. I, I was doing push-ups and calisthenics and stuff for as, as long as I can remember. But I started playing football at seven years old mm -hmm. and, you know, re really excelled at, at an early age. And then through those younger years, did more stuff at home. Like I said, the push-ups and calisthenics and that type of stuff. And then when I was going into eighth grade, one year before entering high school, mm -hmm. 11, 12 years old, he finally let me go to the gym with him. And I just like immediately hooked, addicted, like loved it. He, my dad had a, and this is a, a backstory of how my gyms, which now the, the warehouse garage type gyms that are very popular, even CrossFit, the CrossFit boxes and that whole atmosphere and setup of kind of like bare essentials, you know, you just need an open space, a box, like, we were doing that 20, my, my dad was doing it, shit, 50 years ago. Now it's super popular, but you know, the, my gym, I, I always loved that more than like the fancy, I call them carpet and chrome health clubs where it's air conditioned, it's pretty, you don't want to sweat on any of the equipment. You know, he had, he had a, a warehouse, it was, uh, upstairs from a factory building in a really bad section of Patterson, New Jersey. And it was just a private gym mm -hmm. for police officers, firefighters, uh, military. It was like, it, it was just this kind of like an underground place for all these badass dudes that trained. And that's where I was introduced to training. So that type of warehouse uh they had a welder make all their equipment they didn't have any like commercial equipment there was no yeah. nautilus or cybex it was a welder that welded all the equipment for them so just just an amazing experience for me it definitely laid the foundation for what i wanted to do uh with my life i you know a lot of people say at that time you can't make a living doing this stuff but i was just like i'm gonna find a way yeah. I want to train people in this type of environment, you know, but that's getting ahead. But so I trained for football after that first year of training with him, my first year playing football after a full off season of strength training. I, I don't want to, you know, I'm 44 years old. I'm not trying to brag about my, <laughs> my 12 year old <laughs> glory days, but it's, it's more the, for me, it's like the power of, strength training like what it did to me physically and mentally mm -hmm. to this day i i could vividly remember like putting on my football uniform yeah. after having played seven eight nine ten eleven years old i got five years of football under my belt already but that sixth year of playing with this like newfound strength and size i just remember i actually didn't make weight there was a weight limit to play running back. So I had to play tight end. Um, so I just basically had to block people and I was able to catch some passes, yeah. uh, score some touchdowns that way. But the first dude that I blocked, the second I hit him, he flew about five yards back and landed flat <laughs> on his ass. I ran down the field. The first guy I saw hit him. He goes, does a backflip like rolls down the field. I just remember looking to my dad on the sidelines. And we actually have VHS tapes. I'm trying to get them converted because I'd love people would just get a kick out of seeing them. Oh, yeah, uh, definitely. Like, like I'm not exaggerating. I would hit kids and they'd go flying and backflipping. It was, it was just crazy. And then that led into high school and excelling. I went to a real big powerhouse, nationally ranked. Uh, 
my the I went to Bergen Catholic High School, which to yep. this day is just like a national power in sports. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I went there and excelled. Was a three-year starter. Had scholarship offers the whole nine yards. Continued strength training. Loved training. And then, unfortunately, I got a tumor in my sacrum developed my senior year, mm-hmm. which won't tell that. I've told the story a million times. You can find it online somewhere. But the, yeah. the short version is I didn't know what it was. I just woke up one day with excruciating pain shooting down my leg and in my back. I played my entire senior year of high school with it. But I would say, I mean, I was probably playing at like 50 or 60%. The, the pain was just unbearable. Mm-hmm. Still did really well, but lost a lot of my Division I scholarship offers and uh, ended up going to a small school. Played another two years while I was continuing to see doctors have procedures, back surgeries, going through hell. My junior year in college, they finally discover holy shit, you have a tumor growing in your sacrum and it's, it's broken the bone. And that's why you have so much nerve pain. The bone fragments wow. have hit your sciatic nerve running down your leg. So finally, they, it, it takes a couple more procedures and surgeries to remove the tumor. Mm-hmm. At that point, I was so messed up. Although I, the, the nerve pain went away and the tumor pain went away, which was amazing but I had a lot of residual damage from all of the procedures. I, to this day, I have nerve damage and drop foot on my left leg. My, my tibialis muscle on the left side is almost non-existent. Mm-hmm. Still, still deal with a lot of chronic pain, but that was kind of the backstory when my NFL dream was taken away. I was devastated, cried myself to sleep many nights, like, like literally crying, not knowing what I'm gonna do with my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when I decided it was like one day, and I talk about this, there's a documentary called Strong with yeah. uh, my yeah. backstory a little bit. Yeah, but it, it was one day that I just said, I'm not going to sit here and feel sorry for myself for the rest of my life. I need something to occupy my mind. And I need something to, that, what, what else am I passionate about? My life has revolved around football and training up to this point. What else is there? And then that's when I said, you know what, I'm going to focus. I was studying exercise science in college. I said, I'm even going to go in harder now because I don't have football. I'm just going to train and study the, you know, anatomy, physiology, biomechanics. I'm going to get as much knowledge as I can. And then I want to help other people achieve the goals that they want to achieve because I wasn't able to accomplish my ultimate goal. And uh, that's how I got into the personal training and gym industry. That's the, that's the backstory. Yeah, that's a crazy story. Like I said, I've heard the story before, but um, that's, uh, that must have been shattering for you. Yeah, it was a, it was a difficult time in, yeah. uh, in my life. My, my parents still, you know, they're in their 70s. And when it gets brought up, like, my, my mom still can't talk about it without crying. Like, she'll just, she can't even... 20 30 years later it was it was just it was five years of like doctor appointments and surgeons and waiting six months to see the the top doctor in the world that we finally got an appointment with and then the disappointment of them not knowing what the hell was going on then we went through this period where they thought it was in my they thought i was just like having you, you know having rough time at home and it was all mental and they would bring in psychiatrists to talk to me when I was trying to see like an orthopedic to look at my back. It was just, it, it was rough. But um, the day they discovered the tumor was actually the most relieved I ever was. Cause I was scared to death because it was benign. Thank God. Uh, I didn't know that. We didn't know that initially, but I was just so glad that they found out what it was and then they could actually treat something specific rather than not knowing and just cut. I've had, I had back surgery where they cut me through my stomach to get to my back. They went through the back. I've had needles poked and prodded. Mm-hmm. It was just awful, an awful yeah. experience. But it, 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 on the bright side, it got me to where I am today. I, I always Absolutely. say I may have, if I didn't have that, 
I may have been stubborn and just chased that NFL dream. And I was pretty good at football, but I'm not, you know, arrogant enough to say I would have played in the NFL. It was my goal. But having trained a lot of NFL players now, I see how freaking good you have to be to make it at that level. There's a pretty damn good chance I wouldn't have made it. Or if I did, you know, maybe you play a year or two, you get cut, and then you don't know what the hell to do for the rest of your life. So it was maybe a blessing in disguise. Um, It was hell to go through, but it got me to where I am today. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Um, So so what sort of age are we talking about that you are when you actually started your business then? You started to train people for a living. So I, st- I, didn't, I didn't start with my own business. I, in college, I had to do a, a full semester internship working at a, a facility, something that, something that they, it was actually real good because they, they made you go basically work for someone in the field that you wanted to be in. So those, like in my major, I also had people that were studying to become teachers, like phys ed, health and phys ed teachers. So they would have to go work at a school. If you wanted to be a gym owner, you go work at a health club. I wanted to be in sports performance and and train athletes. But that was, this is 1998 when I was in my final semester of college. There wasn't a lot of, you know, facilities that were just dedicated to athletes. And I got lucky in, in about 15 minutes from where I grew up, Bill Parisi at the Parisi Speed School was one of the original sports performance facilities. At the time, it was a regular health club, and they just had a little track along the side of the, the health club, and they did some speed training for younger kids. But that was about as, as close as you could get to a sports performance facility. Yeah. So I got an internship at Parisi's, worked there for a year for free as part of my internship worked predominantly with young kids, seven to 11 years old. Uh, Then they hired me and I ended up working there for a total of five years. Um, You kind of worked my way up the ladder there, started with young kids, helped develop, pretty much developed their strength program because they were just doing like speed and agility when I first started working there, developed the strength program, started training more high school, college athletes. Next thing you know, we started getting more NFL athletes and we started the, the NFL combine prep program there when I was at Parisi's. So I was able to get a lot of experience there. And then in 2003, February of 2003 is when I went on my own and my, my first quote unquote gym was a storage closet, a literal storage closet that I rented out from in the downstairs of an existing health club. And that's when I started my own business uh, at 27 years old in 2003. 2003. Cool. So, um, so then obviously, as I mentioned at the, in sort of the introduction that you've trained numerous um, NFL players for a start off. Um, When was it then? um, What, when did you get your sort of first NFL or prospective NFL player? Because I know you did, like you said, the combine, which, I mean, by all means, if you want to explain what the combine is, there might be quite a few listeners who don't know what the combine is or how that came about working with professional or potential professional athletes. Yeah, that started it. So the NFL combine is basically, if, if you've never heard of that, it's basically a job interview, the ultimate job interview for college football players. It's like a trial kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. What's that? Like a trial. Uh, yeah, it's, it's basically they invite the top 300 to 350 college football players in the world get invited to the NFL combine. And Mm -hmm. it's four days they do from mental testing. They interview them. They, they make them do like full body MRI scans so that none of them could lie about any former injuries or surgeries they may have had. They x-ray their body, scan their body, doctors examine them. The whole nine, it, it, it's super, super thorough, but a big part of it, the main part of it is the physical testing. That's where you see guys running a 40-yard dash. That's where that's become so popular in the NFL, whether or not 
it's the best test. It's, it's something that they test and still seem to weigh quite heavily. They, they test their vertical jump, their bench press, a broad jump, a couple different agility shuttle runs. So we started a program where we were preparing some of these top college players came to our facility when I was working at Parisi's to prepare for the combine. And we, right off the bat, our very first year doing it, we just had tremendous success because I think, A, there wasn't a lot of trainers focusing on that at the time. Yeah. B, the ones that were, and this is still a problem, you know, in our industry, they were just they were just training them, like generally trying to kick the, kick the crap out of them yes. and, you know, be like the tough cheerleader type trainer, I call it, where the, you see you get this, this stud college football player and you're the trainer and you try to just impress them by making them, you know, run until they puke and, and lift into failure every single set. And it's just kind of this general, you know, metabolic conditioning type of training Mm -hmm. And then they send them off to the combine and, you know, a lot of these guys, they, they would do all right because they're just freak athletes, but you didn't see a lot of improvement. Mm -hmm. We looked at it as I always looked at it like the, the Olympic games. Like I looked at the 40 yard dash, the vertical jump, the broad jump, like Olympic events. And I really wanted to dissect them from a, a tech, a technical standpoint and the biomechanics behind it. And, really look at the technique and just like figure out what is the most optimal optimal way to jump and and sprint and start and stand before you sprint like we we took more the technical approach because the other thing the the thing with the combine is you don't have a lot of time to train these guys cuz their football season ends and then they they have anywhere from as little as 4 weeks to maybe eight to 10 if you're lucky. So you're not going to make a ton of physical changes. You, you certainly can, but the real changes take place with the, the technical aspect. So we focused on that and our results were like, people couldn't believe the results. We, to this day, I still have some guys that have all time records in NFL combine tests. And uh, that, that really, snowballed and pretty quickly like the next year we got more athletes and better athletes and then the next year we got more so that's where I started working with a lot of NFL guys because those college kids that you prepared for the combine if they did well they ended up getting drafted to the NFL mm -hmm. and now you have yourself a whole bunch of NFL players coming to you and when I went on my own a lot of those guys came with me and then a very unique aspect of my business was I was fortunate enough and um, I just think it's some, I'm not taking all the credit with the training. I think I was blessed with some great kids and great athletes coupled with the training and the atmosphere of the gym, like a perfect storm. I had seven high school kids when I was in 2003, when I started the storage closet gym, seven kids that were in high school at that time trained with me through high school, mm -hmm. through college, and ended up making it to the NFL. So actually, I don't know if there's another trainer who could say that they had seven high school kids that they trained ended up going to the NFL. Yeah, I highly doubt it, to be honest with you. So, but what you're saying is the system works. <laughs> it's, and they, it's, some of the like a guy like Brian Cushing would have been in the NFL with or without me. I, yeah. you know, a hundred percent. Oh yeah. Do I, yeah I would like to think if you ever asked him, has Joe DeFranco helped your career? I, I would like to think he would say yes, but I, I certainly am not taking credit for, for those guys going to the NFL. I think a lot of them would have been there anyway. We just, we just helped uh, a little bit. So fast forward quite a few years, because I know you went, obviously you say you had your storage closet and I know at one point you had a huge facility. I remember, I think yep. that was around about the time I started getting into your stuff and watching your videos and things like that. You had this big facility. Um, so obviously you had all the NFL players coming through and then eventually, I mean, you don't miss, I mean, it's up to you. You can tell the story if you want, but you got a call from 
a man that very many people will know as Triple H. And Triple H wanted you to oversee his uh, training after an injury. Is that right? Yeah, he had just uh, tore his bicep tendon. <clears throat> um, funny, because any, a lot of you guys know Triple H, WWE wrestler, big, jacked, strong dude. And uh, just goes to show you how with injuries, and we've all done this, and as you get older you know more and more you hear about like the guy sneezing and blowing out his back or tying his shoe and blowing out his back it's not it's not the the sneeze or the the tying the shoe it's all the cumulative damage you've done over the years and then it just you know it happens to go once you get older but that happened to him he said he was on a movie set just like pumping up for a scene with i think he said 20 pound dumbbells He's doing just little like pump curls and just pop bicep tendon torn off the bone, complete tear bicep rolls down his arm. He said he was, you know, he's always had from wrestling. He's got a lot of different injuries and his shoulder and his neck had been bothering him. He said for a couple years, like he couldn't lift his arm, but like a lot of great athletes and lifters, he just worked around it, you know, suck it up. And you just keep training and training and wrestling and wrestling. And then here he was on a movie set doing some light pump curls, rips his bicep off the bone. And, um, and that was after a couple of years prior, tore his quad tendon and then did it again on the other leg. And one of them you could still see, you could go on YouTube he was wrestling Chris Jericho, tore his quad tendon off the bone. You're, you know, you, most people know, listening, what you're, you know, how big your quads are. Uh, picture tearing that right off, the, the tendon ripped in half off the bone. Ends up finishing the match with a torn quad. Um, and like the dude, Chris Jericho's finishing move is like this move where you're the, it's like a camel clutch. Yeah, the, the walls of it, yeah. Jericho, the walls he calls of Jericho, it. Yeah. It's the worst movie you could be put in if you tore your quad because it, it's just <laughs> a huge stretch on like your abs and your quads and horrible. Yeah. But um, anyway, has that injury, a year makes a comeback, year later or so, tears the other quad, a couple years later, tears his shoulder. You know, now he's in his 40s and he's still wrestling. And this is one thing I just respect the hell out of Triple H because he's one of the smartest guys I've ever met, super into training and certainly knows how to train, but he always trained more for the look and aesthetics. Obviously the wrestling business, there's a huge aesthetic component to that. Especially back um, in the day, yeah. Yeah, back in the day, it was way more. It's just about being you. You, you look. You want to look like a real life superhero. Mm-hmm. Is how all the those his generation looked at their business. But he was smart enough to say, you know what? I've always studied training like a bodybuilder and training to look good. Now I'm in my 40s. Clearly, I need to do something different. Like within a couple of years, I'm now things are just starting to tear off the bone. That's somebody trying to tell me something. So he started researching on his own, like some of the I, some of the buzzwords. I don't I, I I don't like the word functional, but he said you know he started tra- looking up, uh, googling functional training, training like an athlete. You know how do football players train? How do how do collegiate wrestlers train? And I guess my name popped up in a lot of his searches. And he said he clicked on a few of my articles, a couple. I used to do an, an Ask Joe, which was a, a, a Q&A that I would send out an email newsletter when that was big back in 2003 and 2004. He found, I, and I, I always kept those posted on my, my website in like, it had like a blog section. And uh, so that was something that was cool because back when I was writing those, <clears throat> I didn't have a huge audience. So like no one was really reading it in the beginning, but you know, that stuff stays on the internet. Here we, here we are in 2011, Triple H is looking up shoulder rehab exercises. And one of my old ask Joe Q and A's pops up where I'm talking about like band pull aparts and ISO hold YWT, uh, YWTs and 
you know, mobilizing your pecs and your lats. And, and he takes some of the advice that I wrote about, and I guess it worked really well. And then he started researching more of my stuff and uh, tried a couple other things out that worked really well. And then one day he just said, hey, I, I never even met this guy, but the few, like some of the free advice he's given online has helped me more than other people and things have done for me. Let me give him a call and see if he'll meet with me and, and give me some advice on rehabbing this shoulder and uh, just kind of revamping my training style. And he called me. I didn't believe, I didn't know his real name. So that's the other funny story. I was training a bunch of college kids and the, the intern at the time was answering the phones. Uh, or no, it was actually my, the, my wife now, girlfriend at the time, says some guy left a message. He says he's a pro wrestler. His name is Paul Levesque or Levesque. And I was like, God, a pro wrestler? I never heard of a pro. Like, I've heard of Hulk Hogan and Stone Cold Steve Austin. I never heard Paul Levesque. I put it on put it on the desk maybe I'll call him later if I have time and an intern and one of the college kids in the group that I was training both were like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. let me what does it say on that paper and then she shows them and they're like Paul that's Triple H's name in real life and I was like shut up no way and we went on I went on the computer real quick I googled it I was like holy shit Triple H just called the gym and she's like, yeah, he said, she said to call him back. And I, I remember, you know, the, the college kids were like, we'll finish the warm up on our own. Go make that call. So he doesn't go call on some other trainer. Well, that was and, good. Uh, I, I called him and, and the rest is history. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Good. That's it. So, and, and obviously you're still training those guys to this day. Maybe I don't know if it's as, as often as usual or Ten, obviously yeah. you're probably not doing it in person at the minute, but um, you're still heavily involved with those guys. Yes, ten, 10 years. It's it's our, our ten year anniversary of training this year. Um, it, it yeah, it's it's crazy how fast that went. But uh, in that time, I, I I started just training Triple H. But two months later, Steph Stephanie McMahon, his wife, they had just had their third child. So then she was cleared to train. So three months in, I start training both of them, mm -hmm. and now we have trained in person at least twice a week, every week for 10 years. And I, I do all their, all their programming. So I go to their house on average twice a week, um, anywhere from two to four times, but usually it, it's twice these days. Mm -hmm. And the, when they travel, do, that's why I've, I was kind of a little bit prepared because they travel so much. There's always at least two workouts where we would either FaceTime or I would, I would film the videos here in my basement of new exercises. I text them the workout. And if there's any new exercises in the program, I, I shoot them videos of those workouts. Uh, if they're going to be in a hotel, I'll design them like a body weight only workout that they could do in their hotel room. So we've been kind of doing this for 10 years. Now with this quarantine, it's just all of our training right now we're doing all training through facetime or zoom but um once this is over we'll we'll resume but uh yeah it's it's been 10 years i've had the opportunity as you now know as well yep. uh, in that time triple h started the wwe performance center mm -hmm. modeled the strength and conditioning <clears throat> after uh like our style of training it, it's yeah. a, a cpps yeah. kind of certified program we got sean hayes is the head strength and conditioning coach over there who um when they asked me to to hire someone he he was like one of the first guys that came to mind just because he had just been through our cpps program and he does a phenomenal job there he so uh, does. Does. yeah gotten a chance to go got, kind of work with the wwe some too through that connection so it's been amazing cool that's awesome um so leading on from there then um to completely uh, segue from what we've been talking about. Um, as I mentioned in the, the intro, of course, you're, you're a husband, but you're also a father of uh, twin girls. Is that right? Yes. Eight-year-old yeah. twin girls. Eight? Eight, eight yeah. yes. Eight. Wow. <laughs> Got my hands full. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine. Um, so, you know, because 
the majority of the people listening to this are probably going to be dads, you know, fellas maybe, at least. Um, one thing I wanted to ask, and I'm going to be asking all, you know, all, all guests that I'm going to get on the podcast who, who are fathers, um, is what, can you think of it like, what's the biggest sort of challenge you've ever faced or currently facing as a dad, whether it's anything to do with your business, whether it's, you know, the time with your kids or, you know, what was a, just anything like anything that's been a huge challenge for you as, as being a dad or a couple of things, whatever. Yeah. The chat ballot that like trying to find balance, which I haven't, I don't know anyone <laughs> successful. I think they're lying. If they say, um, they have perfect balance of family, business, yeah. fun. Nobody's successful is balanced. Like you can't, you can't make it to a high level. I, I don't believe you can make it to a high level of anything without, with balance. Like yeah. if, if you want, if you want a successful gym, you need to freaking, you can't just work nine to five. You have to go all in. You, there needs to be sleepless nights and you need to, you know, isolate yourself and be kind of selfish to, to grow that business. And same thing to be the, the best dad in the world. That's not just kind of being around with your kids, but you know, you're on your phone while you're not really paying attention. Like that's, that's doing more and going above and beyond. So I certainly, I, with that being said, that's the hardest part because I, I, strive to be the best in the world at what I do. And, and that's not, I don't say that to be arrogant because I think I'm better than anyone. It's more just, yeah. I want to be the best in the world that I could be. Like I want to over deliver every one of my clients. I want them to say, no matter what they pay me, no matter what service that I've provided for them, I want them to say like, holy shit. Like I, yeah, Joe was worth it yeah. tenfold, you know? Absolutely. So that's very important to me. Um, but it's also very important to me and now even more important to be a great father uh, to my kids. And they, they grow up so fast. Um, and so where I'm at right now, even you, you need to make sacrifices. And for me, the biggest sacrifice I've made, if you look at my business model, you kind of touched on it. Mm -hmm. I went from storage closet to a bigger a slightly bigger 2,000 square foot, smaller, but bigger than a storage closet warehouse gym, yep. then 5,000 square feet, which was like my dream mega facility. Uh, the a big reason why I, I shut that down and downsized and went back to a, now I'm in a 1,000 square foot private small facility was just because I had twins were born and like the first two years, I, I just, I, I wasn't there for everything I wanted to be there for. I, I just sensed it like there, there, I'd come home and my wife would be like, oh my God, Ava took her first steps today. She, yeah. you wouldn't believe it. She walked across the, the kitchen floor and I'm like, ah, she, you know, I was, I was at work for that and yeah, they did this and they did that. And finally, I'm not saying, I know very successful businessmen and, and dads that have multiple gyms and you know big businesses and and are still great dads for me it's just i wasn't happy as much as i love the gym all that goes into running a facility with trainers and coaches and just just more stuff and it wasn't making me happy because i was missing a lot at home and online became a little more popular and more people were going online. And mm -hmm. that's right when our DeFranco insider started, uh, started up and started picking up some steam. So I saw, you know, you use that word pivot. I could kind of pivot my business without losing my core of what I'm all about, which is helping people, you know, achieve their goals, whether now, whether it's athletes or, you know, general pop, I could still help people online through our certification, we could help trainers. And then that's gonna, that's gonna expand our reach a hundredfold because for every one trainer we touch, that we kind of indirectly touch their clients. And a lot of these trainers have 50 to 100 you know, clients. So yeah. I, I shut down my 5,000 square foot gym, which was my dream facility. Like my, that was my first baby. I was so proud of that place. It was, 
you know, named one of the top gyms in the world in every publication that, that ever did those type of lists yeah. and uh, shut that down to spend more time with my kids and be able to have, I still work my ass off and work 15, 18 hour days, but I'm able to do the online stuff on my own time. I could spend, I could have dinner with them and spend three hours with them and put them to bed and then work on the online stuff at 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night, whereas mm -hmm. the gym was a little bit different. So, I mean, I, I revamped my entire business to be a better dad. So uh, to, to say that was the most challenging aspect and, and the biggest change you know, would be an understatement, but that's definitely mine, was making, doing what I had to do to make time uh, quality time with my kids. Yeah. And the good thing is, is that you realize that because that, I think a lot of us as, you know, as dads would, um, whether we're trying to run a business or even just, you know, bringing your, your, your work, if you do, you know, if you don't run your own business, but bringing your work home, things yep. like that. It's so easy to get, um, you know, caught up in, in thinking, I've got to do this. I've got to do this. And, you know, not realizing that the kids need your time, but that's, yes. the good, that's the cool thing is that at least you, you know, you realize that. So, and, and it all works out for you. That's yeah. And I it just, the last thing on that, I do, I, I do believe like, I still don't think I'm, I, I'm balanced and uh, I still work probably more than, than most would, would want to, but that goes again with like your shirt says, live your passion. Yeah. Uh, the Franco t-shirt on on purpose tonight. <laughs> and I truly do. Um, live my my passion as as i know you do too and th yeah. that enables you to you could work those 15 18 hour days and not not saying that it's all fun but when you enjoy the majority of it it's not as exhausting and stressful you could yeah. do that and then when i do spend time with my kids maybe i i, I can't spend 10 hours a day with them but if i spend two or three I'm also all in on that. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm not perfect. I certainly have days where, you know, you kind of on your phone and you got things you have to get done. But for the most part, I, I make sure the time is quality because that's more important than just time. I know a lot of dads will be like, oh, I, you know, I, I'm with my kids all day because I work from home. But just being in the same room, but you're all on your phones, to me, that's not spending time with your kids. I'd rather have one hour where we're engaged, we're talking, we're doing something, we're having fun, rather than 10 hours where we're all sitting in the same room with our heads down, you know, staring at our phone or I'm working and I'm not paying attention to anything they're doing. Absolutely, so, yeah. Go so for that quality time. Yeah, of course, absolutely. So with the, um, you're saying you sometimes be doing 15, 18 hour days then, how do you, because again, this is a big thing for a lot of guys, uh, you know, girls too is, is fitting in time to train. So when do you tend to, do you, have, do you have a structure to it or is it just like me? Do you just, you think, right, I plan ahead and I think I'm probably going to have an hour then. So that's when I'm going to train or do you have a, a good structure to it yourself? Yeah. I don't know if that's a good structure, but I have the same one as you, but I do. I started scheduling my own workouts because just like I would, if you hired me, and, and you have set appointments with me and you, you, you know, I'm showing up for there. Mm -hmm. I schedule, I scheduled my own because I realized if I don't schedule it, it's, it, it's, I'm the first one. And, and I, I think a lot of people in the personal training and, and gym industry know this. It's like the, the shoemaker who has holes in his shoes. They, they used to have that old expression, yeah. the trainer who spends all day, every day, helping clients and answering questions and writing programs and doing appointments by the end of the day, you're shot and you're the one who got neglected. And I used to think, you know, it was kind of like a badge of honor. You know, I care about my clients and, and I do, but long-term, especially when you start getting older, if you're not healthy, you're not doing your clients any good either, because if they're getting, you know, Joe or Dan at, at, at 80% or 70% instead of 100%, that's not fair to them. So Absolutely. I started looking at it more from that approach, like, hey, 
get your own stuff together. Like you're starting to let yourself go. Yeah. You're, you're, you're like, I almost felt I, I pride myself and I'm, I'm adamant about being honest and real and transparent with everyone. But I almost felt a little bit like I was living a lie because behind the scenes, I was eating a little unhealthy. My sleep sucks. I'm telling people how important sleep is, but I'm only sleeping three hours a night. Mm -hmm. I'm telling everybody that there's no excuse. Make time to train. Everyone has enough time, but I'm missing workouts because I'm saying I'm too busy. I don't have the time. Like that's BS, you know? So I, I kind of called myself out on it. And that's where if anyone followed my podcast on, um, shit, I don't know. Now it's a three, three and a half years ago. I had my nutritionist on who a Dr. Tom Bellella, who I always sent all my athletes to for the last 20 years and, and became good friends with this guy. I never personally went with him and, and did a full evaluation blood work myself. Cause I was always so concerned about everyone else. I finally scheduled my own full blood work and like a real appointment, even though we're close friends, I paid him. I made an appointment. I drove to his office. He sat down. It was, that's another thing. I think you, when you invest and you have some skin in the game, it makes it more real. And yeah. that was a huge eye opener for me. Cause when my blood work came back, it sucked. Like it was scary. Like I, I, I did not have the blood work of like a healthy dude that's that's well known in the fitness industry as supposedly being a guy who you know knows what the hell he's talking about I was unhealthy and now being a dad it it's not just about me it scared me more I was like shit I want to be around for my kids for a long long time yeah. that's it I'm getting I'm I'm getting my diet back on track changing that lifestyle changing those behaviors I'm I'm, I'm scheduling my own workout from now on I, I have to train at midnight some nights uh, and, and it's not always at the best times. And my workouts now are like between 20 and 60 minutes instead of between two and three hours like they were back in the day. But that's, that's what I do. I, I, the night before I look at my schedule, I see where I could fit it in. Even if I only have 20, 30 minutes now, I, I, the difference also is I do I try to do something every day. I give I give myself one day that I shoot for seven days a week, but I'm more than happy with six. And even if I only get five, I know I'm I'm that's still solid. But I go for more for consistency yeah. rather than like the perfect you know ninety minute workout. I'm just trying to get something in every day as opposed to it's got to be the perfect workout, you know, four times a week. And then you end up not having time you skip. So that that's been a big shift for me. Yeah. And that's the, uh, the you, you know, really touched on something that I um, preach to my clients a lot or anybody that ever messages me about training, the perfect training split, this, that, and the other is just doing something, especially now during this lockdown. I mean, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people, a lot of coaches online who, you know, I'm kind of pissed, pissing me off a bit, but seeing like saying everybody's got more time, but not everybody has got more time because all, I mean, I don't know about over where, where you are in New Jersey, but I think kids, I'm busier right now. The kids are in school. So parents yes. who have been sent home from work, who aren't, you know, the work shut down or whatever, they haven't got more time, but it's just, I just try and re, you know, reinforce and put a big emphasis on just doing something, even if it is just using that. 10 minutes to go for a walk it's better than nothing it really is yeah i i had a, a great uh, ben bruno was on my podcast yeah. a few weeks Love ago ben. and um he, he he said it's just such a simple little quote but it's something that he tells his clients because he works with a lot of celebrities who travel and you know are not always yes they have a lot of money and people working for them but they're also some of these they're they're on a movie set for 20 hours so he just said, he tells his clients progress over perfection. Like don't look, for, it, it's not going to always be the perfect workout. Just try to do a little something each day and make a little bit of progress in one area. And, and that over the long term, that consistency 
is going to be much better than trying to be perfect, which is very difficult to do. And, and you're just going to get frustrated, course, uh, you know, and um, it's just not a good look. So I like that kind of progress over perfection and, and try to just do a little something. It doesn't have to be perfect, but, but anything is still better than nothing. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. So um, I'm near enough uh, done with your time now, but as we do every week, I ask all my guests to tell us, an embarrassing story. I don't give a shit if this is to do with training, your personal life from back when you were a kid, whatever it is. So it was with it, Joe. What's your embarrassing story you've got for those? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> so I don't think I've ever told this. This is super embarrassing. Oh, so and, we're honoured. Uh, we're honoured. I'll share it with you because I know you give a lot of uh, – th there is a lesson here, although it's super embarrassing. Um <laughs> I know you give a lot of nutrition advice and, and lifestyle changes and, you know, making, creating habits, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. One thing that I think I'm sure you've, you've talked about, maybe you've even done videos on it, but one big kind of no, no, something that you do not do is going food shopping hungry, right? Like that's <laughs> one of the worst things you could do. Okay. If you're starving and you go do your food shop and you buy all the junk and it's just, that's like rule number one. If you're helping a client, Hey, yep. when you go food shopping, have a, have a good healthy meal first, fill up your belly and then, and then do your food shopping. And so I'm going to blame that for this embarrassing story. Okay. <laughs> and this was about 10 years ago. I'm a much better person now because I'm embarrassed because it's just not something I should have. I don't know why the hell I did it, but I go food shopping while I am starving. I make that mistake, number one, doing my food shopping. The, the old shop right that I used to go to where I used to live, there, right when you walk in, the bakery is right at that section, freshly, you know, all freshly baked cakes and cookies. I have a weak, weak point or, you know, my, my kryptonite is fresh warm chocolate chip cookies right out of the oven i walk, i go into this shop right and they just finished baking cookies and they're they have them you know packaged they they sell like six of them six freshly baked cookies at a time they're like whatever six bucks i they're sealed i grab one i'm like oh i got i gotta have these with the intention to eat them when i got home but while I'm shopping, I open the thing up. I eat one. I'm yeah. shopping. I eat two. Shop, eat three. I eat all six cookies while I'm shopping. <laughs> and now this is where that's, that's embarrassing enough. I'm supposed to be a fitness, you know, health and fitness guy. But this is just embarrassing of the type of person I, I was or maybe being hangry, hungry, does weird things to you. I'm like, screw this. I already ate it. I have to go, I have to pass that bakery section to check out while, you know, to, to pay for my items before I leave. I take the empty cookie thing and I put it back on top of, I take the empty container, put it back on top, like, hey, no harm, no foul. No, you know, I ate them already. Why, why pay for them? Which is something I would never do now. This is like, to me, this is like not putting your shopping cart back. Like, and I'm so adamant against just being disrespectful like that. But again, 10 years ago, bad judgment. I put it back. I pay for my stuff. I'm walking out of the store. I don't, it was like a movie or like an act of God. I don't know where this guy came from, but I'm just about to walk out the exit and the police officer walks like cuts me off it says sir stop right there officer so-and-so from you know hackensack police department and i'm like and right when he stops me i know i'm like oh shit he goes shit. you know what you did and i go i'm i play dumb for a second i'm like no what are you what are you talking about like i paid i got you know i got my receipt i paid for all the the stuff that i that i purchased he's like we watched you on the security cam <laughs> eat all those fucking cookies and then you put them back and you, you put the empty container back. And so now I'm like, Oh, I'm more embarrassed than anything because I'm thinking he's going to arrest. Like, I think shit, I'm getting arrested. I, I'm, I'm going to have to call like 
I, we weren't married at the time, but uh, Ashley, my wife, was living with me. I'm thinking she's going to have material on me for the rest of my life. If I call her from jail and say I got arrested for eating cookies and <laughs> leaving shop, right? So thank, thankfully, I, I was like, oh, dude, I, I was just, you know, I, they had me on camera. I fessed up. I go, dude, I'm so embarrassed. I apologize. Like, look, I, I, I paid for $200 worth of food. I don't know why the hell I would do that with the $6 cookies. <laughs> he was nice enough. He was like, I should arrest you right now. That's technically shoplifting. Yeah. Um, but he goes, listen, go back, get your empty container and, and go to the, um, and he, and the cop walked with me. He went with me. I had to grab the container, stand on line. The cashier's looking at me like, this dude just bought, like, what's he doing back here with an empty container with a police officer? I pay for it and, and he let me go. But, um, oh, dude, for the next sh five years, I would still shop at that store knowing when I walked in, like, you know, now I knew that there was like this little kind of, it wasn't, it wasn't like a, um, a trap door or anything, yeah. but it's, it's camouflaged right where you walk out where the security is. And every time I, I walk out of ShopRite, my heart would just drop and I'd have flashbacks of the cop, you know, coming out the game door. every time you go in. But, <laughs> but by far the most embarrassing thing, um, not because of eating the cookies, but because like I just, I despised, it's, it's a disrespectful thing to do. Um, yeah. But I share that now because I am embarrassed. I will never, have never and will never do something like that. And that's why I'm so adamant about like put your shopping cart back, respect other people. Yeah. I've gone, that was like my rock bottom. <laughs> and now I've become a, a much better person from it. Yeah. I think the, the surprising thing for me about that is obviously, again, having followed you for so long is, is knowing that your dad was a New Jersey State trooper yes. as well. <laughs> and he, oh my God, he would, I don't know. I don't think to this day, I don't think I've ever told him oh. that story because I was so embarrassed of it. Uh, well, him, oh my God, if I, if I had a call, because I would have had to call someone to, you know, like come pick me up. Exactly. Uh, it would have been my wife to be, or my dad would be the next one. He, even though I was 33, 34 at the time, he probably would have kicked the shit out of me when he got there. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good story. I enjoyed that one. That was a good one. That's going to be tough. That's going to be tough to beat when you ask other people for embarrassing stories. Definitely. I think, um, I'll be honest, in my head, the way the story was going it was, it was going to be your dad waiting outside the store for you. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been worse. That would have yeah, been worse. Definitely worse. Right. So we're at the end of the show, Joe. So uh, thank you so much for joining me. But um, before you go, obviously, do you want to let the, the guys and girls listening um, know where they can find you on social media and things like that, because obviously I know you're, you're a big Instagram guy these days, so where can they find you? Yeah, thank you. Um, on Instagram is where I put most of the the free content on social media. I'm at the Franco's Gym. I try to post every day, a couple times, or at least a couple times a week, a lot of free videos and info on there. Yeah, and then with Smitty, uh, shout out, Jim Smitty Smith, my partner in crime in our CPPS certification which is online now we have a phenomenal uh as you know dan we we have an online course yeah. which you could take at your own uh your own time there's no time limit on it go at your own pace you could pause the videos rewind them and you get lifetime access to all the video modules so we're super proud of that especially at this time um you know perfect time Perfect. Yeah, it's more more valuable than ever. So you can learn more about the online version of the course at cppsacademy.com. And then uh, also we have a, a really kick-ass membership community at thefrancoinsider.com. A lot of great coaches, trainers, and just people, not even those in the industry, just people into fitness and health on there. We have a, a Facebook, private Facebook group to go along with the website that's very active. We do live Q and A's uh, every week, every other week. So uh, awesome community over there as well. Those are, that's the, the big 
big three places to find me. Yeah, and just to just to what I can speak for all three, obviously I've followed you for a very long time on Instagram now, uh, and you put a ton of awesome training content out there. But the uh, any perspective or or even current personal trainers, coaches, if you haven't looked into the CPPS course, I strongly recommend that you do. Um, I've done the course online as much as I would love to go over to the States and do it, which I still intend to do one day, Joe. Um, maybe when I come I over and uh, help out uh, Sean at the Performance Center, maybe one yes. day. Um, but yeah, the CPPS course, I strongly recommend that. That is the, the current level you have to get to be a personal trainer in the UK, the, the level three personal trainer, as it's called in most places is more expensive than the CPPS, but the level of knowledge I gained from doing the CPPS is just ridiculous. Honestly, it's hands down. The course is just unreal. And that's not just to, to kiss your ass, Joe, but it is for the, for anyone listening who's just thinking about it. I really, really recommend you checking it out. Or the DeFranco Insider. Again, I've been a member of that pretty much since day one. I think it's, that's a great resource as well. Um, so that's pretty much it guys. So thanks again for joining me, Joe. Appreciate um, that feedback. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me, man. It was an honor. Awesome. Yeah. And the honor's all mine. Honestly, it really is. So I'll, uh, I'll speak to you guys on the next episode. And thanks again, Joe. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you.